Yeah, so today uh, we will talk about uh, technical writing, blogging, documentation, all that. And we have a special guest today, Eugene Yan. And Eugene uh, works at the intersection of machine learning and product. He likes building pragmatic machine learning systems. And he also writes and speaks about effective data science, machine learning in production, and career growth. And if you follow uh, Eugene, you know that he writes a lot. Every week on his personal blog, there is a new article, sometimes even more than one. And naturally, it was very difficult for me to think of anyone else who is more suited for uh, this podcast episode. So thank you, Eugene. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Alexei. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, so before we go into our main topic of writing, uh, let's start with your background. So could you tell us uh, a bit about your journey so far, about your career, how you started, and all that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's a bit of an unusual journey. Um, so I graduated with a psych degree uh, about 10 years ago. And I spent a few years uh, working on investment policy. So I decided I didn't really like that. Um, I was writing a lot of text. I was doing a lot of contracts and agreements. And I wanted to work more with data. So I, so I took a, about 20 or 30 MOOCs uh, and interviewed at a few places. And very luckily, I got accepted at IBM. Uh, so while I was at IBM, um, I did a competition on product classification. Uh, and then I, my team and I managed to get into the top 3%. And we happened to share about our attempt at a meetup. So then it happens that an e-commerce startup was facing a similar problem about how to categorize products correctly. And they had someone in the audience. So they invited me in for lunch um, and asked how I would solve the problem for them. You know, different, different, different languages in Vietnam and Indonesia and English. And, and the next day they offered me a job. And I was excited to experience how startup was like. I was pretty early in my career then. And I joined as their third data scientist. So that startup was Lazada. Um, a few years later, Alibaba acquired us and I moved on to a health tech startup. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out very well. Uh, but so now here I am. I'm now an applied scientist at Amazon in Seattle. So I'm working on recommendation and machine learning systems right now. So if anyone tells you that uh, Kaggle is a waste of time, you're living proof that <laughs> it's not true. Right? And, I was uh, really yeah. lucky. Yeah, I was really actually, lucky. There is an, an article about your career journey, right? And this is one of your most viewed one, right? From, uh, how is it called? Uh, I, I, I'll post a link later. I'll, yes. I'll find the link and, and I'll share it later. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty detailed uh, career journey. Like uh, that's, uh, that's an awesome read. I recommend everyone to, to go, like pretty much every other article that you wrote. And uh, you know, since we talk about writing today, I'm curious, when did you start writing? And uh, by writing, I mean like uh, internal, not necessarily like technical documentation, because like when you just start your career, I guess you need to to write a bit, uh, but like something external, like blogging. Uh, when did you start doing that? Yeah, so I'm looking at my <clears throat> at my site now, and my first post was from September 2015. Uh, so this was uh, so, sort of a report for DataKind, which is an NGO that. Uh, works on projects. Uh, so this was a project accelerator with a few NGOs that we were trying to help out. So, and why did I write that? They were just asking for volunteers to write. So I volunteered. Um, why did I volunteer? Um, I'll admit that my reason for volunteering was not entirely altruistic. 
I volunteered because I wanted to practice writing. So now I know, I, I know Alexei asked, when did I start writing? But I also want to answer the question of why did I start writing, which I think is a very important one. Um, so why did I want to volunteer and practice my writing? So back then, um, I interviewed data scientists um, and data science leads that I admired, some of them two to three steps ahead of me, similar to how I interviewed Alexei a few months ago for the Informal Mentors series. Yeah, I'm not two to three <laughs> steps ahead of you. <laughs> so the, the, the key question I asked them was, what skills do I need to be an effective data scientist? So was it domain expertise, ninja hacking skills, PhD level research, uh, data pipelining? What was it? Um, the answer I got really surprised me. Um, anyone want to make a guess? I guess not. Everyone's too shy. I, I can try. <laughs> Business skills? or No, you know, that, that, they say that all that, all that could be learned, but the, the thing that really made someone on their team, someone they know really stand out was the ability to communicate, the ability to write, the ability to speak with non-technical speakers with, with that, that, so that at least things could happen. So to be honest, when he first told me, when they first told me that, I, I, I thought they were just bullshitting. They were just kidding, kidding me. So, but then I just decided, okay, I asked them this, 80% of them say the same thing. I'm going to try it for one year. So for one year, anytime that people need something to be written, I'm going to do that. So I wrote that for a year. And in that same year, I also spoke at my very first meetup, uh, which is about the Kaggle competition. And in that one year, so many good things happened to me. And I decided that, hey, you know, I'm going to try this again for another year. And so that eventually became a habit. So I guess a, a long, long answer. I, I started writing about five years ago because people told me to write because they say that this is important for you to be effective. And that's why I did it. And actually Ricky in chat wrote that communication. So he uh, correctly he got it. Yes, he got it. Um, yeah, and uh, so this is, I guess, what keeps you motivated, right? Because I think it's pretty, like for me personally, like uh, I know that writing is important, right? I know all these benefits that it can give me, like all these connections. And every time I post something, like some people reach out to me and ask things, but still it's very difficult to, because, uh, you know, writing is difficult. It takes a lot of time, like it takes preparation. And uh, sometimes like um, you even interview some people, right? To actually get material to, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. So, and the reward is not immediate, right? So it's, yeah. you still need to put, to put a lot of effort and then you need to do this regularly so what keeps you motivated like this reward or something something else that's a that's a good question actually so at the end of 2020 i actually did um some reflection i went back through all my posts and one thing really stood out uh i was trying to ask myself why is it that you write eugene you, you need to understand your reason so i i realized that the main reason why i write is to share for example, I would do my projects and I would share with people, this is how I clean the Amazon data. This is how I deploy an API. I also wrote about the classes that I took at the online masters of computer science at Georgia Tech. I, I, wrote, a, I, I wrote a summary for each class because a lot of people asking me questions about which classes are good, which professors are good. So I wrote that. And I, when I attend conferences and some of these conferences are expensive. So I wanted to share my notes as well. So I just write that and just put it there. And 
that was the one reason that, <clears throat> and it's, it's a very satisfying reason because when I share and people, other people find it helpful, it, it, it motivates me to write more. So thankfully, uh, I happen to be motivated by this and that continues mm-hmm. me to write. But along the way, I also found other reasons to write. Um, so, you know, and Alexa, you've, you've mentioned about this before, you know, sometimes you think you know about something, you know about something enough to write about it, and then when you actually write about it, you realize that you know nothing. Yeah. So that happens to me a lot. Like you forget the details and, you know, so I write to consolidate all these details and, you know, to fill the gaps. And that's another reason to write, to learn, to consolidate your knowledge. So recently I applied this technique to topics that I had some familiarity with, but I wanted to consolidate my knowledge, such as um, the survey on natural language processing since RNNs up to Big Bird. Um, and also on some topics that are new to me, such as the discovery on data discovery platforms, and also, you know, uh, consolidating my knowledge and sharing about real-time recommendations. So by forcing myself to write, I was forcing myself to learn. And, and that's awesome. So I write to share, I write to learn. And I guess the very last reason, which is really awesome, and is what is leading to this right now, is something really interesting happens when you write online. Um, people start reaching out to you for feedback, to discuss ideas. They said, you know, this is really useful or this part could be improved. And some of these people I'm really inspired by. And I'm really humbled to have a chance to even have the chance to chat with these people, my idols that I admire online. And this is also what led to the current chat I'm having with Alexei right now to share about writing online and to, to help people, to help people more. So the third reason why I write is to be a lighthouse. I'm saying this is what I'm interested about. If you're interested about this, I hope you talk to me about it. I hope to have a conversation about it so we can mutually learn and mutually inspire each other. Um, so I write to, to share, to learn, and to be a lighthouse. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And th- actually, now I'm, uh, I remember the first time we spoke on Twitter. And my first question was, do you remember what I asked? No, I can't. Was, did you reach out to me or did I reach out to you? I think I reached out to you. Oh. I actually asked, hey, uh, what do you use for blogging? Because I also want to start oh, yeah, my yeah. own blog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you use? <laughs> so that's... Uh, that's and and like by the way... you be in a lighthouse. Maybe. By the way, if, if anyone's interested, I use a very simple Jekyll, uh, Jekyll framework and I just host it on GitHub pages. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, it's pretty amazing and especially like learning uh, part i can 100 percent relate to that that uh, like i think okay this will take me two hours to write because i know everything then i sit down and then like a week after the post still not finished right because like there are so many things i need to to look up especially if it's something technical and things like frameworks evolve they no longer work uh, that's uh, but yeah it also helps to learn a lot and uh, hi Eugene. Yes. Can you repeat what did you say uh, previously? You write, uh, you write to learn, to share, to what else? To be a lighthouse, to find like-minded people. To to what? I'm sorry. To to be a beacon, to be a to be a light bulb. I'm saying that hey guys, I'm interested in this. If you are interested in as well, find me. Um, to be a lighthouse. Yeah. What is a big big? Uh, I don't know this word. I'm sorry. Huh. How do I say that? Um, to be a broadcasting station. 
I'm sending oh, okay. out a signal. I'm sending oh, out a signal. Okay. I, I like this. Come and talk oh. to me about this. Perfect. Perfect uh, explanation. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I'm curious to know, um, like, um, how you write. Like, well, now we understand the motivation, right? So, and this is awesome. I can totally relate to that. And, uh, but um, it's also interesting how do you write? Like, uh, yeah, you have an article about that, but uh, I just want to, to hear it from you. Like, uh, what uh, what is, uh, like, do you have any process maybe? Like, uh, how do you go about writing? That's a good question. So let me share with you how I went about writing the wrong way. Okay. So when I first started writing, I thought that, you know, writing is sitting in front of a computer, typing it out, something beautiful will come out. It doesn't happen that way. Um, and I thought that whatever I write must be 100% original. No one would have written about it. It must be 100% useful. And I realized that looking back on it, this is a very, very, very high bar. It's very difficult. Made it very difficult for me to write. And so how I write, I realized is not, first, not to have that mindset, right? And in my, so now my mindset is I write to share and everything, to share, to learn, to be a lighthouse. And I realized that writing doesn't start with writing. You start with reading, reading things you're interested in, learning things you're interested in, and you think about it. And then you write notes. And now that I view it this way, my writing doesn't have to be original. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be 100% useful. It makes it a lot easier for me to write. Um, so how do I write? Do you mean about how I select? topics or how I how I actually craft a post what do you mean yeah like uh, basically your process let's say uh, you want to write about something then you all of a sudden I don't know you're taking a walk and then an idea occurs to you or you see like a tweet about real-time um, machine learning in China and then you think okay this is something I can write about so now you have this idea right so you use okay I have some some knowledge about this topic I want to write and what happens next after this? So usually when I see a lot of uh, all these topics, I'm just going to put it, put a title in my, in my, in my notes. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, here's a possible topic. And right now my notes has like 50 topics that I just need to go through week by week to write about it and, and pick. Um, so how I write it, my process is pretty straightforward. It starts from the timeline I set to myself. I set myself a timeline of seven days. Every week, I aim to publish regardless of what state it's in. So I will ship every week. So starting from day one, I just pick a topic that I want to tackle. I write an outline of how I want to structure it. So for example, let's take real-time machine learning. Uh, I want to write about why you should not do real-time recommendations and why it would be useful. Then after that, how real-time recommendations look like and then how to do an MVP yourself. So that's the big picture. And then I, I start to add bullet points. So that takes about two hours. Then day two, I look at that outline again and I rewrite it from memory. So all the crap, all the bad ideas go out and, and the new, new ideas go in. And then maybe at day three, I look, if, I, if I'm okay at the outline, maybe I stop. Maybe if I'm not okay at day three, I do this again. So I do this several times at, on the outline section um, until I'm satisfied. So usually by the time it is a Saturday, which is day six, uh, when I have no more time to iterate on the outline, I'm forced to write the prose. So how writing the prose is just um, just take the outline 
essentially the outline is, is pretty detailed. It's everything is there. I just need to write it in proper human language instead of just bullet points. So people can, can read it and find images. So by the end of day six, I will always have a pro. Sometimes this takes 12 hours. Sometimes this takes six hours, but I will always have it. On day seven, after a night of sleep, I will read through it again, organize my ideas, organize the paragraphs, organize the sentences, find images and all that. Uh, so by day seven, uh, my time is up. I must publish it. I might still make, if, if people give me feedback, I might still make more tweaks on the next Monday and Tuesday, but after, usually after that, I stop. So the key part of this is the iteration. So I iterate on the outline. Why do I iterate on the outline? Because iterating on the pros takes too long for me. Um, I, I care too much about the language, the sentence structure, the, the right words. So by focusing myself, forcing myself to only focus on the ideas on the outline, I improve it. And then I only leave very little time to iterate on the pros. Um, so that's my process. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. So basically, like if you, let's say, look at the amount of time you spent writing an article, like how much time, uh, let's say, you spent uh, on this outline, like 50% or something like that? It's definitely more. I would say that the outline is at least 50, sometimes 70%. 70%. Yeah. So like the most of the time goes, like and you said, it's five days, right? Uh, yeah. Um, so most of the time goes to this outline. And then that makes me really curious to, to know like uh, how this outline looks like. Because to me, like when I hear outline, it's just, I don't know, three, four bullet points. Um, yeah, so like how do you structure this outline? Uh, I can show you. Yeah, but maybe like this will also be released as a an episode without video. So maybe if you can just describe in. Uh, oh, in okay, okay. Yeah, so the outline really is the key section headers. And then for each section header, each paragraph, what should the key topic sentence of each paragraph be? And then maybe I have supporting evidence, etc. Um, so that's it. So essentially the outline is, you, you can think of an, at the later stages of the outline, the outline really becomes sort of like the, the actual content itself. It's just that it's not in paragraph form. Mm -hmm. And that makes it easier for me to write. I, I just force myself to write in bullet points instead of, you know, the connecting structure, like the but and the however and the although. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically you have all, like the idea is already there. You already know what to write about. Uh, like probably you have already uh, sections, subsections, uh, um, even paragraphs maybe you already have in that outline. And yes. what you need to do on day six is just take these bullet points that you have and make them like, uh, you know, translate them into normal, natural language, like, I mean, some, exactly. something. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Makes all sense. Yeah. That's pretty interesting because it's very, it's not very similar to what I do. So I, I actually write prose, as you say, and then I have to, okay, like this too much. I need to delete it. And this is super ineffective and takes ages. And then also deleting things from an article is, uh, it's very difficult, right? I spend so much time writing this piece and then I see that it's 20 minutes. I know that nobody is going to read this, this thing, right? Because it takes just too much time to read. And then I have to edit, I have to delete it. And that makes the writing process very uh, difficult, right? And what you have, I think I should definitely try that. 
fully understand. Yeah, I, I recommend it. I have the same problem. Writing a paragraph just takes me 20, 30 minutes, whereas writing blurb points is just so easy because I don't mm -hmm. care. I know I'm going to throw it away anyway. So. Yeah, and, uh, this, uh, I'm also curious, like you said, um, that uh, you try to reconstruct an outline from memory. Why do you do that? Um, so sometimes, okay, so let's say you read a book, right? And mm -hmm. your, fr your friend asks you, what is that book about? You tell him the best parts, the most important parts, right? That's what reconstructing an outline from memory does. Um, I remember only the best parts, the best parts of my argument, the best parts of the story I'm trying to tell. And that's it. And sometimes after I, after I reconstruct it, I would look at it side by side. Hey, you know, did I really miss out any key evidence? If I couldn't quite remember it, maybe it's not important. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like reconstructing it from memory is like, you know, putting it through a neural network. Only the important stuff filters through. Um, and I do that several times. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, uh, yeah, I also have this problem that, uh, like, I cannot simply rely on my memory. And I was going to ask you about that, but you also mentioned that you at the end still look back at the original thing and, okay, did I forget anything? And how often you yeah. forgot things? Uh, quite often. Um, I would always do a regression analysis. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you know, is this new one better than the old one? Mm -hmm. um, and it gets to a certain point in time, the difference is very small. That's when you know you can sort of start converting it to prose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you do this every day. Every day you try to uh, to start from scratch, basically, uh, from a not, blank page? Not necessary. I, it depends. Okay, so some days, there are some days where I can't finish the outline. So that would be when I continue. Um, on the days where the previous day I completed an outline, and if I'm not satisfied with it yet, I would try to rewrite it. That's when. If I'm satisfied with it, I would just start writing my prose earlier, you know, so I have a bit of a break on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Having a break is important, right? Especially if you yeah. spend that much time on writing. Yeah. I, the, the problem, I can tell you the problem with me is I'm a very slow writer. Mm. Um, I'm a very slow thinker. So that's why I need to spend a lot of time on it. I hope that um, if any of you here are trying to write, I hope that you won't have the same problem. But this is the problem that I have. That's why iterating through the outline helps me a lot. Yeah, that's interesting because on this, like when you read a a post and then you know that this person publishes every week it's very difficult to you know see this process like all this uh, all this work that uh, the writer has to do and then you say you're a slow writer and then if i go to your book and then i see the number of things you publish that <laughs> that makes it i mean if you think about it it's like one to two hours every weekday in the morning mm -hmm. That's like seven hours. And then over the weekends, I say it's like 13 hours plus another five hours for final editing. That's like 25 hours a week. Uh, so it, it does take a bit of time. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned you have a, some list of topics, like as, as I understood, a list of ideas. You mentioned you have around yeah. 50, right? <laughs> yeah. How, how do you... I'm curious, like, even before that, like, before you start writing, how do you, like, you have some sort of backlog, let's say, right? And how do you put things on that backlog? And where do you take ideas from? So a lot of times um, when I look back at what I write, so uh, when I see people are uncertain about such topics, for example, one thing that very clearly reminded me is, um, whenever I share that my team runs on Scrum, we use Agile and Scrum, people always ask, how do you do that? 
how is it like? And I was like, okay, when enough people ask me about it, I'm going to write about it. People always ask me, how did you get from a psychology degree into data science? So many people ask about it. I just decided to write it. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of questions. So I decided to write it and then it can scale indefinitely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way. Sometimes I also write about topics I would like to disagree on. Um, for example, I saw this Reddit post which had 10 different roles in data science. Data scientist, decision scientist, product data scientist, AI engineer, ML engineer, AI product manager, all this. I, I disagree. I, I think data science, data scientists should be more end-to-end. And Alexei feels the same way. He thinks that data scientists should be more full stack. Um, I don't think that's a good direction I was writing in. I thought what I was writing is uh, was an unpopular opinion, but Netflix and uh, Stitch Fix adopts the same approach, but it turned out to be surprisingly popular. Um, sometimes I also see people focusing on the wrong things. Uh, for example, a lot of my menti- people reach out to me, they ask me, is coding important? Is writing that important? They say writing documentation takes a lot of time. Um, I disagree. I think writing becomes more important uh, in your career as you progress. Um, sometimes people ask me, what's the point of reading papers? I disagree. You need to read papers to keep up in your field. Um, so I write to answer questions that people get, uh, I have, and uh, occasionally, if I may, I mean, once I've built up enough trust with the community, I, I disagree on something and to try to share my, my differing opinion. Okay, yeah, makes total sense. Um, but you, you said you have... Uh, sorry. Um, can I ask a question? And uh, because it kind of relates to what uh, Alexia was asking. So you said you are kind of thinking about 50 topics, but then let's say you have to finish a topic in a week's time. How do you prioritize these 50 topics or n number of topics that you're thinking about? Um, okay, so here's my trick. I realize that people on my that come to my site, right? They really like enjoying the reading the machine learning stuff. But I, to be, to be honest, guys, I can write about machine learning every week. Um, I, I'm really interested in it, but not to the extent of writing about it every week. So um, I would try to make sure that I write about machine learning once or twice a week. And then I, I add in some other stuff, which I think is really important. For example, um, next week, I want to write something about why you should not be doing online courses in 2021. Um, okay. <laughs> I know it's very controversial, but I think Alexi and I talk a lot about this as well. And he probably knows the reason why I'm saying this. I, I want to write that to just tell people, guys, there's a better way to learn. Uh, because a lot of people, when people talk to me, they ask me, you know, is this course good? Is that course good? Should I do this master's? Yeah, so I, how I prioritize, to be honest, I, I, the only prioritization I have is at least one or two machine learning topics a month. The rest of the time is, is messages that I want to try to get across. I imagine writing for my teammates. I imagine writing for my mentees. What is my view that I want to share with them to help them be more effective data scientists? And this may not be related to machine learning at all sometimes. So you basically have an image in your head of the target audience, right? Of the person who is going to read that. Um, and do you use this somehow in your writing? Like when you prepare this outline, uh, how, how do you use it? That's a great question. So um, I write mainly for three groups of people. The first person I write for is myself. Um, when you write, you should write for yourself because let's be honest, no one's going to read it. If you write for yourself, you're going to benefit from it. The second person I write for is my wife. 
I hope to actually at least help her understand what is it I do. The third person I write for is my current team members, my future team members, my like-minded friends of community. So I'm going to assume that these are people with a bit of a technical background, maybe a bit of machine learning background, people who are driven to learn, to level up. Uh, so I, I sort of assume that. And, you know, um, sometimes some of the topics I write about uh, don't get a lot of traction, not, not very popular, like the, the, the topic I wrote about the importance of uh, writing versus coding. I think that's a very important topic, but it didn't get as much traction as I like, but maybe the community is not ready for it yet, but maybe sometime. So yes, I do have a specific group of people, my future teammates and my current teammates in my industry. Okay. Can I ask uh, a question in the meantime? Yes, please. Uh, yes. Uh, you have a very, very uh, first of all, thanks for the all the detail and um, it resonates in, in a lot of respects. And uh, you have a very organized um, workflow for for go for reviewing the draft, reviewing the concept. And uh, uh, I was wondering, does it ever happen that uh, there's some tipping point than editing it? more makes your text worse uh like sometimes like you you know that you would have to release it and you know that you, the extra time spent on the on editing or or drafting would just make things worse or it's always kind of linear so do you see any non-linearities in your writing process uh that's a good question so let me answer when's the tipping point the tipping point is usually sunday night uh I would love to edit it past Sunday night, but I can't. I must release it by Sunday night. So do further iterations make it worse? Yes. Further iterations can make it worse. That's why when I iterate on outlines, I always compare them side by side, which one communicates my story, the, the, the message I'm trying to get across better. When I'm editing paragraphs, um, I would just type a new paragraph above the old paragraph. I compare two paragraphs. Um, usually my metric for success, is it shorter and conveys all the key ideas? If it is, yes. If it's longer and it gets a bit more messed up, it's a bit harder to write, that's when you know it's worse and you delete it. Um, so it can regress. It can regress and you should always try to do some sort of regression analysis to just check, is it better? Okay. This is what you mean by regression analysis. I was going to ask that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> If it has to do anything with linear regression. No, no. Yeah, it's like testing regression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and do you also see your result as a product? Oh, yes. Like uh, design, product life, end life, you know, versioning. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I imagine every, everything I write is like a small package of love. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so if... See, when I write about stuff, I really want to help people understand about it. If they don't understand about it, then I fail. So that means my product UX is bad. If I write about a product and the substance is not there, it's not useful, that means the backend is bad. So it's very difficult. Um, and I don't think I will ever get there. But the way for me to do this is to just force myself to write every week. And every week, there'll be... 50 iterations, no, or rather 50 different products and I will have gotten enough practice. Maybe in five, 10 years, I will be good enough. Um, I don't know. Five, 10 years. Like if <laughs> now your articles are that good, like what will happen in five, 10 years? Um, in five, 10 years, I can write the same thing in five hours instead of 20. Yeah. yeah. 
do you somehow try to control the length? Because for me personally, this is a problem because like I have this idea, but to actually elaborate um, this idea, like it takes just too much space, like I need too many pages. And then I know that people with the attention span we have today, like people will not just, will not read this. Um, how do you over, like, first of all, is this a problem for you? And uh, if it is like, how do you overcome this? Um, this is an interesting question. So I've, I've read and a lot of people have told me that the ideal length <clears throat> for an article is about 1,500 words. That's about 10 minutes. And that's the average attention span of you can get from reading online. But honestly, <clears throat> before this, <clears throat> and even right now, after this, I, I, I don't really think about it. I want to write just enough to communicate the substance and the content and the message across. Um, sometimes this is just 600 words or 1,000. And if that's it, perfect. Sometimes I need to go into 4,000 words, 5,000 words, like the one about my, the, the recent one about real-time recommendations. Mm -hmm. I feel that if I cut out anything, if I cut out any paragraph, it loses the big picture. And that's fine. Because the assumption is this, I assume that my audience are people like me, my future team members, my current team members, people who want to learn about real-time recommendations. I assume that they are already highly interested in it and they will read it. And I don't expect them to read it all at once. They, they can read it, refer to it anytime. Um, but to be honest, I don't have a, I don't have a maximum length. Yeah. Okay. I, and I just try to keep it as short as I can because it's also um, courteous, courtesy on the reader's time. And uh, I guess having this deadline of one week helps not to, uh, you know, not to put too much information there. Yes, definitely. And uh, for me, one of the most difficult parts is like, let's say I already finished writing something. How do you call this thing? Like, how do you come up with the title? Or maybe you even do this before you start writing. Or how does the process look for you when you come up with the title? That's a good question. Um, I name my blog post um, how I would name my functions. <laughs> in the easiest way that no one would misunderstand. Uh, so this is a difficult thing, which I'm still trying to learn. And I just try to come up with the sentence that explains what this is about. It's just like how you write documentation, how you write code. However, I've heard that there are other things to consider, such as SEO or how to get people to click on your title more. Um, but usually by the time it's Sunday night, I'm publishing it. I just don't have the energy to think about a title anymore, honestly mm -hmm. speaking. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, because like when we were planning this event, I uh, was talking to Eugene, and then uh, I said, like, I want to call the event blogging and technical writing. But then you said, no, 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 like this title. Is, you didn't say that it's boring, but you said, okay, like you should write it. The importance of writing in a tech career, and then. That sounds much, much better than what I suggested. Like it's a sort of, it's not just the essence because I think like blogging and technical writing also capture the essence, right? But this is, you made it sound so much more interesting, right? And we can see that, uh, like if we look at the number of people who registered for this uh, for this event, like that, like this is more than usual. So you really nailed the. Uh, probably it's the title also probably did play the role but yeah like do you thank you always, yeah but you, uh, yes I, I wanted to try to explain why i name it that way 
Um, so when Alexei first reached out to me for this, I was like, hey, this is a great opportunity to get people to write more. And how do I get people to write more? I say it's important. And this is, a, of course, a very specific audience, right? In a tech career. And, you know, tech people are very focused about their careers. So, guys, this is important. I want you to write more. So listen to me. I'm going to talk about why writing is important in a tech career. Um, hopefully, I convince you to start writing and practicing. And that's why, that's, that's the essence of the title. Yeah, that makes sense. You, again, keep the audience in mind when coming. And let's say you convinced now. We have right now uh, 34 people. And you convinced now everybody on this call to start writing. Right? And what do they do next? So now they, they understand, um, okay, writing is important. I want to write more. What do I do next? Like, how do I start working? Just start writing. Uh, I, I, get, I, get, I know it's, it's a very, uh, not a very good answer, but you know, okay, let, let me share. People, these are the questions. I ask people to start writing and then this is this this how they respond. Oh, you know, they say, oh, I'm afraid of writing online. If I write about this, it's just a summary of articles. It's just a book summary. Will it be useful? Will it be worthy of writing online? I mean, I'm going to share with you a pretty brutal truth. Um, and in the sense that your first article, no one is going to read it. So just like they say, dance like nobody's watching, write like nobody's reading. It doesn't matter. You're writing for yourself to practice for yourself. Just write. Second, what to write about. A lot of people ask about this as well. Write about what you're thinking about now. Write about what's on your mind, what keeps you out at, up at night. Um, it doesn't have to be related to co your career. It could be about gardening. It could be about... I don't know, recipes, it doesn't matter, just, just write. Um, so some people say, oh, I need to find my topic, my, my, my team to write about, right? And I'll share with you about this example of Patrick McKinsey. I don't know if you know him. He goes by Patio11 on, on Twitter. So for years, he just wrote about what's on his mind. I think compilers or Ruby or Java, whatever happening in Japan. But after he looked back, and he, he's written about 500 over pieces. After he looked back, um, after several years, he found that he, the, the things he wrote that's at the intersection of engineering and marketing were really, really resonated with his audience. And that's how he found his team. But it took him several, several pieces and one or two years to figure that out. It's just the same way. You cannot connect the dots looking forward. It's only after you've written a lot, then you realize you look back, hey, what is your motivation? What are the topics that you sort of write about? And then it, it, it happens. So it's going to be a long-term process. Okay. And uh, one recommendation I often see uh, on, in, on the internet in uh, blog posts is like, first you need to find your niche, then uh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So just uh, what you're saying is don't care about this, finding your niche, just whatever is on your mind, just go sit on your computer and you know, start writing. I, I would say that it's useful to find your niche but you won't find your niche before you write mm -hmm. a lot. And that's where you find your niche, right? So it's sort of a circular thing. They, they don't say that you, you first find your, you, you write a lot, then you find your niche, but you, after you write a lot, then you reflect back. That's where you see your niches. Mm -hmm. But then also writing about the same thing over and over again is pretty boring, right? Thank you. Uh, exactly, so, so that, that means I can't write about machine learning every single week, right? Uh, yeah. I'm interested in it, but I have other interests too that are important, like about career, about 
um, data science processes. So I try to write about that. So I haven't found my, my topic of focus yet. Um, and that's fine because I'm just writing for myself. And my topic of focus is whatever Eugene is thinking about. Uh, that's it. And uh, what tool specifically would you recommend to use? Like, uh, should it be Medium? Should it be WordPress? Should it be Jekyll? Uh, like, what would you recommend? Um, <clears throat> for this, I recommend whatever is easy for you to use. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people spend too much time, oh, I need to find the perfect domain. I need to have the perfect Hugo or Gatsby or Jekyll setup. It needs to be CICD. Come on, guys. The time that you spend on that, just spend it on writing. So just pick whatever's the least amount of work. Um, writing is already really, really difficult. Um, remove all the excess work and just focus on writing. So at, honestly, when I started, I used WordPress. Um, it was really easy and just writing it. Um, it. It got to a certain point in time where I wanted to customize my team and WordPress didn't allow me to do that. That's why I switched to hosting my new site. But by then, I already written like 50, 60. So... The tool is the least of your concern. Just write and just push it online. Substack, WordPress, Medium, whatever. Whatever reduces your uh, barriers to entry. I think Medium is pretty easy. Like you don't need to uh, to do much there. Just get an account and start writing, right? With WordPress, exactly. uh, it might require some setup, right? But with Medium, yep. you just... And um, so we have a question. Um, um, the question is, I assume you're busy how do you schedule and prioritize this writing work into your daily routine? Uh, yeah, well, I am busy, but um, I guess... <clears throat> so let, let me share a bit. In 2017 to 2019, I was doing an online master's of computer science. So at that time, uh, I was spending 20 to 40 hours a week on that online master's while I was working part-time. So after I graduated from that, suddenly I had a lot of time. <laughs> um, so that's when I decided, okay, I need to pour this energy somewhere else. And I decided to pour it into writing. So it's one, two hours, uh, one to two hours a day, early in the morning. Um, it's just like, it's just the same thing as, as exercise, as meditation. It's just a daily habit. And then also um, maybe on my Saturday is just hammering out the pros and Sunday is um, just trying to edit a bit. So I do make time to go out and I thankfully I have a very understanding wife. Um, but I, I think it's possible and you don't have to spend so much time. You can just write short snippets, uh, maybe 500 words. Just start small. Start with whatever you're comfortable with. Tweet. Yeah, right. yeah just tweet. <laughs> well, actually, tweets uh, are even more difficult, right? Because of the limitation you have or you have to True. use threads, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so in... By the way, speaking of Twitter, like yesterday, I posted a tweet saying that you will tell us the secret sauce of writing. <laughs> so what is I your have secret no, sauce? I have no secret sauce. Honestly, when I, I, I woke up today and I saw Alex and I said, crap, I have no secret sauce. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But, but I have been, I hope I have been completely transparent and honest enough and that um, maybe the, the outline iteration approach is my secret sauce. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's something that uh, I, I'm, I hear from you that this is something new. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a secret sauce really. Yeah, because we have a question like, how did you make your blog popular? So how, what did you do to, uh, to attract people so they go and read and then get in touch with you? I don't know. Um, I wish I, I wish I had I had the answer to that so I could repeat it. But um, 
I would write there and then I would write a tweet about it. And then I would write a copy that same tweet and post it on LinkedIn. Um, and that's it. <laughs> and people who saw it would maybe circulate it. And that's it. That's my only distribution channel because it's already so much effort to just compose tweets, right? I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm just going to write 200, word, 200 characters and just post it there. And that's it. And um, eventually I sort of find um, like-minded people who, 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 who just, who just uh, read my stuff. And I, I didn't really put a lot of effort into that, honestly. And I don't think it's very popular. Um, but I'm at least thankful that I can find uh, people who have the same interests that can uh, that engage with me on that. Well, you're saying not popular, but how many times did you end up on the first page of Hiker News? Uh, I can't remember, honestly. But yeah, you know, so many times. <laughs> Hack, Hacker News is a completely different thing. Um, Hacker News really likes, uh, really likes disagreements. I think my yeah. post was like, stop taking regular notes, right? Like mm-hmm. stop taking notes, use a Zetelcaster instead. And you know, people are debating about it. Oh, this Zetelcaster is a new fad. And that's why. Um, so it, it's a, Hacker News is a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah but um, I think it wasn't just one post that ended up there. That the, Also your post about uh, uh, this, uh, like the data science should be more end-to-end, right? Oh, I think it okay. ended up there, no? But at least it got I, a lot of remember. attention, I think, this article. So basically, yeah, I, I, the secret sauce is uh, disagreement, right? So find what people disagree about and then... It, it could be. And I, th- I think maybe now that I think about it, that the real secret sauce is that um, through a lot of that, I, I think last year I threw, I shot 55 arrows and, you know, three of them hit the mark. Mm-hmm. So my, 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 my hit rate is about, I don't know, 2.5%. So if you shoot a lot, uh, things happen. So basically, consistency, right? Yeah. Okay, and uh, we also wanted to talk today about not just writing for, uh, let's say, external audience for the internet, but also internal, like at work. And uh, this is also an important part, right, uh, for your career. Not just we are not just in just writing code uh, for entire day, right? So we also need to communicate with other people and. Uh, Writing is a form of communication, right? So, and when we write documentation, right, we all always need to think about the reader. So it's not just, you know, an afterthought, right? So what, what do you think about writing at work? Like, why is it important and uh, how you should go about doing that? So why is writing at work important? Well, that's, that's a very difficult, uh, that's a very difficult, that's a very big question mm-hmm. to answer let's um, say why uh, a project should need uh, why does a project need documentation so let, let me let me share it this way um, before you start a project you sort of need to socialize your idea and, and check your idea with other people so 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 let's just take uh, uh, a document that Amazon is very famous for it's called the press release mm-hmm. before we start a project we would write a press release. Um, and, you know, maybe the press release for Amazon S3 is like, hey, you know, highly scalable, um, I don't know, storage at a very cheap price. And we send it out internally. Are people excited about this? Um, if people are excited about this, hey, maybe this product could work. And this is before we even do any coding. Mm-hmm. So if we first do this to test the audience, to, to check the audience, right? 
And this is how uh, the same thing, you, you, you test the audience, you test your users. And after you decide to write it, um, if the press release document uh, works well, then maybe you write something called a design document. Um, I know software engineers are very familiar with this, but the design doc is essentially, hey, uh, let's just say I'm gonna write a design document for real-time recommendations, um, how I would uh, train the model, how I would serve the model, what are my business and technical requirements uh, in terms of latency, in terms of throughput, in terms of cost. Um, I would write that, and again, I would circulate that. So this gives you, writing at work gives you a way to test your ideas at scale before writing any code. So that's really powerful, right? Um, you test, first you test it from the customer perspective, is the idea exciting? Then you test it from the implementation, is it, uh, is it useful? Uh, is it possible you're going to check it with your principal engineers, your fellow engineers, and, and make sure it works? And documentation, right? I mean, so Alex mentioned about documentation. I mean, for me, uh, personally, I'm a very forgetful guy. If I write some code six months later, I look at it, uh, I would definitely forget it. And I would be looking at my code and be thinking, what is this idiot Eugene writing about? And why did he implement it this way? So documenting my code is like me in the past sending to myself, hey, you know, you might think this is really stupid, but here's the reason for this because the data before this date is like this, or, you know, because this is the only way, uh, I, this is the way I had to optimize the code so it meet the latency requirements. And this is what it does. Documenting your code does that. Similarly, documenting your projects. Why did we decide to go with, um, I don't know, DynamoDB instead of Redis? What's the pros and cons of each? What's the decision log? Uh, why did we decide to go with Flink instead of Spark? Uh, so you know all this. Uh, I mean, at least you would have done the research for this. It will all be in your head, but you want to write it down so that you remember and you want to write it down to share the knowledge with, with, with your friends. So I, I think, I hope that answers the question, uh, but okay, you, you write at work. Writing is important at work to you know, test your ideas through a press release, test your ideas through the design doc, whether you fly, uh, you document at work, you document your stuff so that the knowledge is not lost and you know you scale the knowledge more effectively. And then also, like you said, uh, you write for your future self, right? Because you tend exactly. to forget things and this is, uh, uh, that also resonates with me because uh, like I know that if I do this uh, sequence of uh, command like commands, right? Uh, like terminal commands, I know that in a few days I will forget them. Exactly. And I need to write them down. So next time I need to execute the same, like do the same thing. I have a reference and I just can copy paste things. Um, I also wanted to ask you, like you mentioned, um, like this uh, press release and then design document. Is it something that uh, uh, I think in Amazon is called working backwards? Is it that thing? Uh, so like, yeah, the work, like uh, the, the this backwards process, what what is it? The press release is part of the working backwards process. So the working backwards process is, is not exactly a secret. I mean, it's, it's online. So essentially, working backwards is what it is. We work backwards from the customer. And, and that's the right way to work, right? So it means that we understand, try to understand what the pro customer problem is, what the customer potential demand is, and, and we work backwards from it. The other way of doing this is, you know, we build it and people use it because what we build is so awesome. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Often that doesn't work. Um, so that's the working backwards process. And Alexa, you talk about this a lot. 
first mm-hmm. um, first do some research. What is the problem a customer has before we even train a model to try to solve that problem? If that's not a problem, or if the the potential effort save or the cost save or the potential uh, revenue earn is too minor, it is not. It's, we shouldn't do an effort for that, right? So we work backwards. So the press release um, in the working backwards process helps us to solidify our idea around something single. Uh, so in, in the S3, the S3 approach is we want to provide highly scalable, low latency, low cost. And so every, the team is going to build around that. So I, think, I think for Alexa, um, initially the press release was something like, uh, I don't know, you can start music with your voice command. Initially, it was just that, starting music via voice. But you know, and over time, of course, it has been very popular and it has grown and grown such that you can shop for groceries, you can ask questions, you can control lighting. But the press release, the first one, it just tests the market. Are people interested in it? Are internal stakeholders interested in it? Are your VPs, are your directors interested in it to channel resources into this research? If it does, um, that is important. Yeah, makes sense. And the writing is uh, an important part of uh, this uh, this process, right? Yeah. So I think interesting. I think I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, most people know that Amazon doesn't have slides. Uh, we don't use PowerPoint at least most of the time. So we write in a document, and that makes it very easy to scale, right? To share something, you don't need to be there to present for half an hour. You can just send them the document, and they can just read it. So it really saves a lot of time on the person. Of course, you know, writing that document takes a lot of time, um, but once you have written it, it's upfront cost that you almost never have to repeat again. Unlike a, unlike, uh, uh, like a presentation, you always have to be there to present or you could be there yourself. I don't know, uh, but I can tell you this document writing process is very useful and I, it will follow me wherever I go. I will adopt the same practice. And um, I think we still have a bit of time. And I have another question for you. Um, so you, and remember, you can ask uh, questions in uh, Slider. Uh, we still have time for a couple of questions, I guess. So what I want to ask you is uh, um, writing for portfolio. So let's say you made, you, you did an awesome project. Uh, let's say it was a Kaggle competition. You finished uh, in, I don't know, top uh, 20, top 30, like with a medal and you want to put all your code to GitHub. What do you do? What do you need to, to put in README so people can uh, immediately see the, the value of this thing? So let's think about it. Let's say I, I'm searching on, on GitHub, right? For, I don't know, solution to, I don't know, something, uh, some Kaggle competition. And what would I find? I would find hundreds of repos on that. Uh, on that Kaggle competition. So what distinguish, so right now I'm thinking what would distinguish one repository from another? I think uh, clearly a, a readme is useful. A readme that says how to start using this code, how to quick start, how to install this code. Um, if it has a requirements, that'll be really useful. Um, and maybe it explains you through the big processes. You know, the data prep step is in this folder. The machine learning step is in this folder. Um, the validation step is in this folder. So a read, uh, I think a basic readme that sort of explains it, that would be good enough. So now if you're thinking of it from a, I don't know, building a portfolio to get a job perspective, now think of it from the manager's point of view. Okay. Clearly, I mean, if they're gonna hire you, you're definitely gonna be able to write code, clearly. But the question is, are you able to document code and share about it? Like what we spoke about 
um, when they read your code, does the documentation recess? When they read your readme, does it make sense? Do you explain, uh, explain it well enough that they feel confident that you can do the same thing at work? So I think that's, that's something that would be helpful. Um, so maybe you have any last words? Uh, no, not really. Oh, I, I do have one. Um, if I had, if I had to, to share about it, um, I'm going to paste a link in the chat. Uh, so for those of you who are regular readers on my site, um, please go to that link and tell me what you would like. What can I write that will be useful for you? Um, uh, so I, I'm always trying to, to figure out what my audience wants. So this is a topic poll. There, there are a few topics there already. You can just thumbs up, thumbs down. Or if there's a new topic that you want to propose that you don't know, you can just share it there. That's it. Yeah, I guess uh, since we're running uh, out of time and probably you need to go. So thanks a lot for uh, coming today, for sharing your knowledge uh, uh, with us and for sharing also your secret sauce. I think uh, like what you shared with us definitely deserves uh, this this name. So now I know like next time I'll write, I'll try to follow uh, your process and see what happens. And I think it will be a lot better than what I previously wrote. Thank you. I, I hope so as well. Um, thanks, Alexei. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Goodbye.